Well, g'day, everybody. Um, look, I've realised that I have a confession to make. Um, but then again, it may not be so much a confession as, as a personality trait. Um, it may be that I'm inflexible or maybe even a bit intolerant, but I prefer to think of it as valuing tradition. You see, I've been accused of being a Grinch, a Christmas Grinch, and it's all because I think putting up a tree, a Christmas tree, in September is seriously wrong. I think that there is something slightly freaky about people who feel the need to hang foil and lights all over their houses months before Christmas. But you see, that's how early some of the crazy Christmas people started this year. Sure, they joked about it on Facebook. They put it out there as if it was perfectly normal, as if they were perfectly normal. But underneath, they know they're not. They know, they know that there is something psychotic about putting up a tree only weeks after you've taken it down. And I suspect that a few of those trees never even made it back to the garage. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if some of them never got taken down from last Christmas. For me, uh, Christmas trees should not even be off the shelf of the garage shelf until at least December. And I'm actually a fan of the 12 days of Christmas. You know, put up your tree 12 days before Christmas. Now, does that make me a Grinch? Perhaps. But I'll let you be the judge. But... Um, but if you are one of those people, those Christmas-obsessed people, that let me just remind you that when people come to my place in November, I don't have to make up some lame excuse about being too busy to take it down after Christmas in July. But you know what? If you're, you are one of those people, I reckon that this year, us normal folk, we're going to cut you some slack. Because this year has been difficult, hasn't it? It's, this year's been, a, been challenging. And for a lot of us, it's been lonely and boring and frustrating and even worrying. It's been stressful and it's been unsettling. You know, as I've talked to people, um, everybody seems to fall into two different camps. There's those who've been uh, without work and they've been really worried about how they'll go on and making ends meet and things like that. And then the other extreme has been people have, who are saying that they are busier um, than ever and things have been harder at work than ever before. The uncertainty and the ever-changing rules have made planning near impossible. We've not been able to do the things uh, in our usual ways. And we haven't been able to celebrate milestones in the usual ways. Things like weddings or, or babies being born, birthdays and even school graduations have been curtailed. And mourning lost loved ones whose lives seem to have just slipped away almost unrecognised or at least not commemorated. The lack of regular contact with friends has also seen relationships suffer, hasn't it? It's... Uh, this has probably been the most acutely felt by those who've been locked in their houses uh, alone and feeling forgotten. 
And when the lockdown started, we all had such good intentions about keeping things going. But as the weeks dragged on into months, those good intentions, they sort of fell away and and many people just sort of slipped into survival mode. So I reckon if you're one of those people who dragged out the Christmas tree early this year, who just want to have some fun and, and keep looking forward and create some joy, well, well, that's okay with me. Because that is essentially what Christmas is about. That's what it's always been about. Not the tree and the tinsel. It's been about hope. Hope in something, in fact, in someone that would lift us and restore us in a broken world. From the very moment when mankind thought we knew better than God and and in our arrogance we gave up our relationship with him, when we rejected God and separated ourselves from him, he still promised a way. He promised that one would would restore. He, he promised that one would save. God gave us hope. Now, why don't you take a look with me at that very moment? It's actually found in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And it says, uh, when Adam and Eve have, have eaten from the tree of knowledge and, and now they realise that they've broken their relationship with God and also with each other, um, then they try to isolate themselves from God and they try to hide from him. And then God is explaining the consequences of their actions. And he is cursing also the serpent who led mankind astray. And God says, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. And he will crush your head and, the, and you will strike at his heel. The whole passage is actually really quite scary and a troubling picture of what it's like to have a broken relationship with God. But you know what? In God's grace, this curse also has hope for you and for me. Hope for mankind, that there will be a victory, that the evil one will be defeated, but that that victory will come at a price. The one, the man who will come and crush the head of the serpent, but in turn, the serpent will strike a fatal blow on the man. It's like a tiny spark in the darkest night. This message, straight from the mouth of God himself, that there will be one who will defeat our enemy. And just like in the garden, this year started with optimism and potential, And then so quickly, it all seemed to fall apart. But we should remember that because of disobedience, disobedience, the fate of mankind was far more precarious than our current situation is. Being separated from God, our creator and sustainer, is infinitely more serious than being separated from our family and friends, as important as that is. And that's why God's promise of a saviour is, it's so overwhelming. It means reconciliation, forgiveness and peace for us. It is hope. 
as I read God's word, I'm struck by the number of times that God restates and expands the details of this promise of salvation. So often in the darkest times when all hope seems gone, God gives that reassurance of love and willingness to restore his relationship with mankind. He speaks through the prophets and he speaks through his faithful people and he reassures them of the, of the promise to come that we are not forgotten or abandoned by him. There will be a saviour, a messiah. He's giving us hope. Think of the promise to Abram and Sarai in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, after so many years of people failing, falling deeper and deeper into sin, and then God's promise comes again after it's been almost forgotten. But God speaks again and he steps in and puts things back on track despite Sarai and Abram's being so old. God says that it would be through their son that the promised salvation would be seen. And he has not forgotten his promise. And then through Isaac and Jacob and Judah, the same promise again and again. And it seems that God takes the most unlikely people to be the vehicle of that promise. Just think of how God speaks through prophets like Samuel and Nathan. They tell us that God will take a nobody, a, a shepherd boy from the countryside, and how that boy, David, will not only become a great king, but through his line, there will come an eternal king. Time and time again, the prophets give us this message of hope that out of the most dire situations, the most unlikely places, God's promise will bring that he promises us that he'll bring him back to himself. I think of Isaiah chapter 9. He tells us that out of this little nowhere town uh, or region called Galilee, with no claim to fame of its own and no riches, from there his promise will be fulfilled that the saviour of hope would be born of a virgin, a, a young girl who, who really has no hope of actually being pregnant. And how, how would it happen? How would this one bring hope to us all? Well, Isaiah explains that too in chapter 25. He says that, uh, that we're told that the saviour would conquer death for us and remove our disgrace. And again, the Saviour will set us free and that freedom will be available for everyone. But it's not just Isaiah, of course. Uh, you know, the psalmist also tells us that he will be a just judge and a stronghold in times of trouble, that he'll never forsake us, uh, he'll never forsake anybody who trusts in him and seeks after him in Psalm chapter 9. And also... Uh, in Micah, who tells us that the Saviour will be born in the back blocks town of Bethlehem, in a stable, and that despite this earthly existence, he actually pre-exists his birth, and that he always has, and that is why our hope is also certain. 
So now here we are, we're living in, in this uncertain time, possibly more uncertain than we've ever experienced in our lives before. You know, the threat of the virus, it, it might take hold again, throwing us back into lockdowns and isolation. Of course, we do our best to comply with the laws and the experts' advice. We're still social distancing. Um, we're washing our hands as if that can save us all. We, we wait expectantly for a vaccine with the dream that things will return to normal. Although I think we've sort of forgotten what normal actually is. We think that if we can just last long enough, follow the rules well enough, wash every surface clean enough that somehow we can save ourselves. But can we? Can we truly save ourselves? Because even if we defeat this virus, are we truly saved? In Proverbs chapter 16, it says, In their hearts, humans plan their course but the Lord establishes their steps. So much is out of our control. We might think that we are wise. We might think that we are masters of our own destiny. However, if we're honest, COVID-19 has taught us many things are actually out of our control. And even the smallest virus-sized glitch can tear our human world apart. It can undermine our confidence. It can undermine our relationships and our economy. It can throw our lives into turmoil. Proverbs 27 also says, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what the day may bring. How true. Even those people who were predicting a global pandemic really had no idea what we were in for or how long we would wait or the impact it would, it would still be having. I thank God that he's bigger than the issues of this year. Perhaps that's why he said through Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that's what Christmas is about. It's about hope and a future. It's about the end of waiting, waiting for the promise to be fulfilled. It's a celebration of the faithfulness of the, and the love of God towards us as he reached out to humanity in the most humble and approachable way. What better reason can there be to celebrate? Because of what begun at Christmas and the birth of Jesus. It's, in Revelation it says, it'll wipe away, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There'll be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And then later it says, and there will be no more curse. So I reckon we should celebrate, perhaps this year more than ever before. As we look forward to this Christmas, 
we can anticipate and get excited about the true meaning of Christmas, that the waiting is finally over, that our Saviour is here. So if you are one of those who put up their tree really early this year, if you're anticipating the Saviour just like the prophets, if, if you have a house covered in lights or have started wearing stupid Christmas clothes um, because it reminds you of the hope that is, is on offer in Jesus, then I reckon it's okay. And perhaps the rest of us should probably join you. We all have reason to be excited. We all have hope and a future because of what Jesus came to do. Won't you join me as we thank God for this season and the hope that we find in Jesus? Father, what an incredible year it's been and with so many things that we didn't expect, so many plans that didn't come to pass. We feel like we've been waiting all year, waiting for restrictions to lift and waiting for life to begin again. But Father, you know that real life is found in you. Our hope is found in you and in what Jesus, our Saviour and our Lord came to do for us. And now as we approach Christmas, we, we have a new understanding and, uh, and anticipation there, and of the same as anticipation as the prophets and your people had when they were waiting for your promised saviour. We're excited to celebrate. We are grateful that you made a way for us to restore our relationship with you. Just as we start to see some of the restrictions of this year lifted, we pray that we will find, it will remind us of the freedom and the hope that we have through the gift of your son, Jesus. Father, help us not to be distracted by all the commotion of this year or all the craziness that we wrap around Christmas, but instead help us to have a new appreciation of the life, the freedom and the hope that we have through your son. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.